0: Hey, Cracked fans. With the summer months just around the corner, we know all of you are beginning to think about how you can best maximize your chances to improve your game with the warm weather. Well, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are so excited to tell all of you about the 254 tennis camp happening this summer at Baylor University. Now, over the course of three weeks in June, starting June 12th through the 16th and ending June 26th through the 30th, you'll have the opportunity to learn from 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 some of the best coaches in the business in an all-encompassing tennis experience. You'll have the opportunity to improve each and every part of your game, whether that be on the singles court, whether that be on the doubles court, through drilling, through point play, match play as well. You'll also, of course, receive a free t-shirt for participating in the camp, but also have the chance to see yourself broadcasted. As our Crack Rackets team will be providing coverage of the final day each week at this two-five-four tennis camp. Again, you'll have the opportunity to learn from some of the best coaches in the business. I promise, Coach Michael Woodson and the Baylor team going to make it an extraordinarily enjoyable time. How can you get signed up today? Well, you can learn more information by visiting the Baylor website by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp again that's baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp to sign up today now this camp open to any and all entrants but limited only by age number grade level and or gender again you can learn more about this camp by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp today don't miss out folks gonna be three very exciting fun weeks of tennis down at baylor university be sure to sign up for the 254 tennis camp happening at Baylor today. Welcome to the mini break, your daily. Podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world, today is Thursday, June 9th. And no, we did not solve time travel here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, all of you listeners are hearing this podcast on Friday, June 10th. I do apologize for that fact. Just did not do a good enough job budgeting my time on Thursday. The good news is we're going to make up for it here at Cracked Rackets on Friday. If you go check your Cracked Interviews podcast feed and hopefully all of you mini listeners are subscribed to all of our Crack Rackets podcasts. But if you go check that Cracked Interviews podcast feed, you'll see a conversation with 2022 Division I NCAA Women Singles Champion Peyton Stearns, who of course recently announced that she will be ending her collegiate career beginning her time on the pro tour. We had the opportunity to speak with Stearns about the reasoning behind her decision to turn pro. Of course, we also chatted about her fantastic run to not not only the NCAA singles title, but back-to-back team championships for her University of Texas Longhorns as well. A fantastic conversation that, again, all of you listeners can find on our website, crackedrackets.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. We also have a bonus podcast for all of you listeners. We recently announced our participation in the 2022 Madison Keys Court of Dreams Celebration of Tennis event, that exhibition event going. To be happening July 14th and 15th in Charles City, Iowa, on a beautiful grass court at the All Iowa Tennis Lawn Tennis Club. Excuse me, the All Iowa Lawn Tennis Club. Leave it in. Super producer Daniel Westhoff. Of course, we had the chance to speak with Madison Keys, event director Ryan Naft, a tournament host Mark. QN as well to discuss the genesis of that event, what all of you can and fans can expect from it as well. Again, that's a bonus podcast available on, I believe, all of our channels, but certainly you can find it on our website, CrackRackets.com. You can also go watch the press conference on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Again, we are making up for the lack of content on Thursday with a plethora of content here on Friday. Of course, I will be back later in the day to recap all of Friday's quarter final matches but why and we're getting full circle here folks why it took me two and a half minutes why are we talking uh, June 9th here at the start of today's podcast it's because what I want to do is recap all of Thursday's action here on today's show and of course with the start of the grass court season so much first strike tennis for us to absorb certainly an adjustment for all of us tennis fans from the physicality we saw during the clay court season first strikes the name of the game when you're playing grass court tennis of course direction important as well if you can dictate the terms of play be the one deciding when you're going cross court when you're changing direction down the line you're the one in control of these grass court points it's that much more difficult with how slick the surface is to move in and out of corners of course that surface that much more slick when you're dealing with the rainy conditions we've seen all week long as we typically see with the start of the grass court season but of course on today's show I want to talk about all of the action that unfolded, and certainly with all of Wednesday's rain, Thursday was a bit of a makeup day across the ATP and WTA Tour. So many matches for us to discuss from the Netherlands, of course, on the women's side. We had players like number 3 seed Alina Rabakina knocked off on the day by big-hitting Shelby Rogers. We had number 2 seed Belinda Bencic continuing to, in my opinion, assert herself as one of the top five contenders to take home the Wimbledon crown, of course, on the men's side in the Netherlands. You had plenty of fun action kick it off as well. You had players such as Daniil Medvedev begin his campaign. A f- rare victory for him over the always tricky Jill Simone. You had FAA kicking off his grass court season with success. A couple of upsets on the day on the men's side. Certainly we want to break down, but plenty of fun action to discuss from the Netherlands. Of course, we also have two other WTA events happening this week. One of them, a 125K on the clan. And I'll only mention that one briefly here on today's show. Hopefully, we'll have time this weekend to recap what should be a busy week of championship action as we not only have these four ATP and WTA Tour level events, but of course, the Challenger ITF events happening. Our Cracked Rackets team so excited to continue to cover the SoCal Pro Circuit. And by the way, players like Adrian Boyton players like uh, the talented Sabina Zanalova, the freshman from Texas, recent Pepperdine graduate Jessica Fela, plenty of fun names still alive there's a lot of good tennis as such want to be able to provide content for you listeners throughout the course of the weekend as otherwise that monday podcast just becomes jam-packed and then we get behind and no one likes that here at crack rackets but again i'm going to focus on the four uh 250 or higher level events happening this week, and that includes the women's action in Nottingham, where, again, Maria Sakari, definitive favorite, in my point, in the draw by pedigree. She survived today. Three-set victory for her over Marino. I want to talk about what shifted throughout the course of that match, talk about the other seeds who looked good on the day as there were no upsets in Nottingham. In Stuttgart, I mean, is Kyrgios over Sinego an upset? Maybe, maybe not, but there were other top seeds knocked out on the day and certainly with the start of Stefano Tsitsipas back uh, on the grass courts. And last time we saw him, he lost first round of Wimbledon to Francis Tiafoe. I actually thought he was particularly impressive today. I will explain why on today's show. But again, those four 250 or higher level events, the action in the Netherlands, you have Nottingham, you've got Stuttgart. That's going to be the focus of today's show. We'll get into that SoCal Pro Circuit action. We'll get into uh, the East Lansing action as well on tomorrow's show as we preview our Crack Rackets YouTube coverage on Saturday and Sunday. But of course, the reason we're able to get into any coverage here on the mini break podcast day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you. And sincerely, I can tell you in our negotiations with Tennis Channel as we remain part of the Tennis Channel podcast network, home to many fantastic shows, including, of course, our friend Gil Gross's Monday Match Analysis, as well as three, a tennis show. And I know we don't talk Djokovic, Nadal, Federer that frequently, but obviously, Obviously, Gil has a show dedicated to that. And Here's a free plug. Can someone please who listens to this tweet at Gil Gross and say, Gruskin plugged your show here on the podcast? Because I don't think he believes me that I do it. But uh, again, I try not to steal takes from anyone. I have no shame stealing Gil's takes. And that's one of my favorite shows. So obviously, fantastic shows on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. But we appreciate any of you who are joining us due to the promotion we get from our friends at the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Again, we see our numbers. We appreciate all of you who continue to Tune in not only week in, week out, but day in, day out, even when it's not Grand Slam action unfolding. Of course, we also have to give a huge thank you to our friends over at Tennis Point who supply the best equipment at the lowest prices. Go to point.com today. Use that promo code CR15. 15% off all sale items. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis Dash Point. Symbol, not the spelling. Tennis Dash Point. Symbol, not the spelling. The spelling we appreciate all the support any of you show to them as we are immensely grateful for the support they give us. Tennis point.com that promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into Thursday's action and let's start on the women's side in the Netherlands and again. In terms of upsets on the day, there were plenty of them throughout the course of the day. Perhaps the most notable and if you listen to this podcast early in the week, you will have heard me say that that Nottingham bottom half of the draw, while I thought there was talent there, one of the upsets I was sniffing around in early was a potential qualifying run qualifier, Katie McNally, who of course the big hating American top 50 player in the world in doubles wants to hit the big serve, big forehand move in behind it. That's going to work on a grass court. I actually think the best comparison for Katie McNally, the best version of her, is a female Milos Raonic. Like, and again... At a. L. Gruskin, always happy to hear why you disagree. I'm actually pretty proud of that comparison, and McNally was exceptional today in a one-in-one victory over number four seed Tamara Zidancic. Of course, Zidancic wants to move the ball around the court with the forehand, wants to get into the point physically, doesn't have the overwhelming weapons. McNally did, and across the board for Katie McNally in this match, I mean, you know, did she only make – Forty eight percent, uh, forty nine percent of her first serves, yeah, and that's why, unfortunately, for now, Katie McNally outside the top one hundred. But when she lands that first serve, it's an and can play plus one tennis on her terms, particularly on a fast surface like a grass court. It is um a, a top twenty five sort of weapon. And again, McNally in this match, twenty eight of thirty seven, she lost nine points on serve throughout the course of this match. Of course, when you're only losing nine points on serve, you can be more aggressive as a returner. She was 5 of 5 on break point chances, just going after every return she saw, and that's where the doubles prowess comes in, because obviously the more doubles you play, the more time you have to lock in on that return of serve. Obviously, Katie McNally has had some struggles over her last 52 weeks of play. You look for her overall via, of course, our friends at Tennis Abstract. She's 21 and 21 in her last 52. 10 and 12 here in 2022. And of course, there have been a bunch of different injury issues for McNally over the course of the past few seasons. When she's healthy, we all know the tennis she's capable of playing. Of course, you look for McNally in her career. She's made a third round at a grand slam. She's been as high as number 105 in the world by making the quarterfinals here. McNally back into the top 200, back up to number 199, which just, of course, helps her get in, no doubt, to Wimbledon Qualies and, you know, should get in to us open qualies as well doesn't have a ton of points to defend from the end of last season as she wasn't able to you know she was only able you look for her overall throughout the course of last year i guess there's a semifinal in midland actually round of 16 points in cleveland so she does have some points to defend here down the season's home stretch so certainly again to uh get a big result to get a quarterfinal here at the WTA level. You actually look for Katie McNally in her career. Made a quarterfinal in Guadalajara in 2021. Quarterfinals City Open 2019. This is just the third quarterfinal of her career. So to get this on a surface where honestly, I do think she projects best on in her career. Just a big confidence boost for Katie McNally heading into a big hard court summer, which of course is another surface here in North America uh, where she should thrive. Big upset. That victory for her on the day, that was probably the loudest of the upsets. But again, talking about big hitting Americans, shout out to Shelby Rogers. Two and four victory over Elena Rabakina. Match looked very much like you'd expect. Whoever got more looks at the plus one forehand was the player dominating the course of the rallies. And you look uh, throughout the course of this match, Shelby Rogers just had more success on the return of serve. And you know again you look for uh for rogers in, or on the return of serve, excuse me and executing the first serve you look for rogers in this match she made 65% of her first serves excuse me uh elena Rabakina, 32.2% of her first serves it's just not going to get the job done ribacina played 19 points on the first serve 40 points on the second serve in this match. Shelby Rogers, 5 of 6 on her breakpoint chances. And, you know, again, Rabakina created breakpoint, uh, excuse me, five of uh, 4 of 8 on her breakpoint chances, saved 5 of the 6 breakpoints she faced. And credit to Rabakina, who had to find ways to get creative and take bigger cuts at the return of serve, just not allow Shelby to dictate because she was struggling with her own serve. And again, Shelby was teeing off cleanly forehand, backhand wings. It's a notable loss for Rabakina, but certainly you look for Shelby Rogers now in her, you know 24 and 23 in her last 52 weeks, 10 and 11 here in 2022, but is coming off of a third-round performance at Roland Garros into the quarterfinals here uh, at, at uh, excuse me at. In in the Netherlands, I'm not even going to try and say it, as you listeners know, when you look for Shelby Rogers in her career on grass courts, 14 and 18 overall. Of course, she has made the third round of Wimbledon. She did it back in 2017. She did it last season as well, where coincidentally, she was knocked off by Elena Rabakina after knocking off Maria Sakkari, who we will talk about later on this show. Again, for Shelby Rogers, you feel like the movement has been an issue for her in the past on the grass courts, but she's moving so much better at this point of her career. That has what has allowed her to make this jump at this stage, and you know, again, when she's asserting herself with the serve with the forehand, now her ground strokes are a bit bigger, which makes things a little bit harder for her on these grass courts, but if she's landing the first serve, she's just going to be dictating, and that's obviously the position you want to be in. She has the sort of weapons, again, round of 16 with how few, you know, I. I looked back and 7 of the top 20 players on the WTA tour have played 20 or fewer Matches in their careers on grass courts. That list includes players, obviously, like the Coco Goffs, Emma Radicanu's, Iga Leila Layla Fernandez's of the world, but it also includes players like Danielle Collins. And, you know, uh, and I'm blanking on a name here, but uh, certainly you look at a player like Jess Pagula, I think she's played 22 or 24. And, you know, again, Paula Bedosa, another name who's played 20 matches in her career on grass courts. Seven of the top 20 players have played fewer than. Uh, 20 or fewer matches there's just not a lot of experience and obviously part of that is the 2020 grass court season got canceled the other part of that is there's only one month of grass court tennis throughout the course of the year you're you know simona halbs played about 50 grass court matches in her career and she's a wimbledon champion that still doesn't feel like the biggest sample size that said those little things sort uh, begin to matter when the margins are as thin as they are and so you keep an eye on shelby rogers upset victor two and four over elena Rybakina. now you you look at some of the other victories on the day. Again, Arena Sabalenka is playing good tennis. 4-1 win over Kozlova, 2-3 and three win over the wild card, and former Ole Miss NCAA singles champion Ariane Hartono. And by the way, you look for Hartono. You know, she has flown up the rankings, the 26-year-old up to number 163, which is two off her career high in the live rankings. Again, in going to get into Grand Slam qualies at every major this year, and going to have that opportunity to get into the Grand Slams, and of course that's when you're seriously making money, but also the serious opportunities to gain rankings points for yourself. Uh, again, Hartono's. In position to make that strike now, make a top 100 push. But Sabalenka's weapons today, you know, again, the serve, her asserting herself, the aggression we saw in the back end, she served much better today than she did in round one. Of course, she's not going to be able to play Wimbledon given their ban of all Belarusian players, given uh, the Belarus government's support of Russia in their unprovoked aggression against Ukraine. But uh, certainly, while Sabalenka is being allowed to play I mean you look at the ELO ratings right now grass court ELO ratings arena Sabalenka currently uh, eighth according to tennis abstracts grass court specific ELO rankings again Sabalenka has slowly gotten better throughout the course of the season up to 14th in the yearly ELO ratings now of course you look at the numbers for her overall on the season Sabalenka still 17 and 12 overall even with the two victories this week and you know in terms of quarterfinals for her. I think this is her fourth now on the season, which in 13 events, that's Definitely on the low side, definitely a disappointment, but she just started up the season serving so poorly. And again, final Stuttgart, semifinals Rome, tough loss to Georgie in, at Roland Garros, certainly, but now into the quarterfinals here on a surface that uh, she should always thrive in with that sort of first serve good win uh, for Sabalenka to advance to the corners where now she's going to take on Ali Van Udvenk, another upset win, 2-3 and three over fellow Belgian player Elisa Mertens and You know, again, Across the board, Kristen Flipkins, 1-1 one one over Ann Lee, just looked far more experienced than the young American and, you know, again, was moving the ball so well around the court. I think for, uh, down you know, down a set but up 5-2 in the second, gets a retirement from Blinkova. Alexandrova, straight set, went over Kalnina. When she's hitting the ball on her front foot, uh, you know, again, how low and flat her ground strokes stay, how well she moves the ball around the court, that's a tough matchup. But the player who caught my eye the most was Belinda Bencic, who, you know, was down a break early in the first set and certainly was down set point in her 5-6 service game in the first set but ultimately earns a 6-4 win over the always tricky Anna Kalinskaya and I mean again when you look for Belinda Bencic I mentioned those seven players in the top 20 who you know don't have a lot of grass court experience and by the way that list Iga uh, Layla Fernandez Coco Goff, Barbara Krachikova is who I forgot Emma Raducanu Danielle Collins Paula Bedosa. you know Belinda Bencic is 42 and 19 in her career in grass court matches. 69% win percentage. She makes that big final run in Berlin last season, has two Wimbledon round of 16s to her name. And again, given the absence of so many players of the Sabalenkas of the world of, you know, again, no more Ashley Barty in the draw and the relative uncertainty we have about the field on these grass courts, Benchich is a known commodity. And while it feels like round of 16 quarterfinals has been her ceiling at a lot of, fi- you know, slams of late, You look for Belinda Benchich, you know, she's been outstanding in her last 52 weeks and of course it started for her last year on the grass courts making that final in Berlin but she's now 47 and 18 in her last 52 weeks that's a 72 percent win percentage the big key here she's played 65 matches in her last 52 weeks she's been healthy for a year consecutively we really haven't seen that since 2019 and you know again when you look for Bencic against players ranked outside the top 20 she's 39 and 13 against top 20 players she's eight and 5 over her last 52 weeks and yeah 3 of those victories came in Tokyo but fine she's 5 and 5 in her last 52 weeks excusing uh, excusing that top outlier in in Tokyo and you know again 5 and 3 against top 10 opponents none of those victories it came in Tokyo. She has a win over Iga at last year's U.S. Open, where of course she did make that quarterfinal run. She has victories over Kantve, uh excuse me, over Bedosza, Jaboure, Kritsikova. You know, she has played some outstanding tennis uh, over the last 52 weeks, and I do think on the faster surface when she's you know hitting the serve as well as she is this season. But perhaps more importantly, you look for Belinda Bencic, and it's just how confident she's playing as a returner and the break percentage, 32. for the season. That's 0.4% below her career average, but she's also holding serve 77.7% of the time. That's 7% above her career average. That's second uh, on the WTA tour this season behind only Naomi Osaka. She's playing plus one tennis, and it's not Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club overwhelming tennis, but she just strikes the ball so cleanly. She takes the ball early on the rise. She takes time away from you. She moves the ball extraordinarily well around the court. She recognizes when it's time to hit the swinging volley, and again, She's still not, she's never going to win the club, uh, you know, never going to win the award for fastest player on the court, but she, you know, she anticipates so well. And you got to use the word anticipate instead of predict, right? You just start to sound so much smarter when you say anticipate versus predict. But she anticipates so well on the court and she's moving better. Like she is more fluid in and out of the corners than she once was. It's almost like the Taylor Fritz theory on the men's side where she's gone from bad to fine and with her weapons, fine is good enough. So I'm just saying, keep an eye on Belinda Bencic. She's going to be top five in my Wimbledon contenders and you're going to hear me wax poetically about her probably a couple of times over the next month because I do think the grass courts will be a surface where she thrives And Let's see, according to Tennis Abstracts, ELO uh, grass court specific... ELO ratings. Belinda Benchich is tenth. Yeah, that's right in strike zone for sleeper to win the content uh to win the title. And yeah, she's gonna end up in my top five, folks. But again, you look at the quarterfinals tomorrow on the women's side in the Netherlands closest match according to the odds uh via tennis abstract. Shelby Rogers fifty one point six percent favorite over Chris uh over Kirsten Flipkins. After that, Benchich sixty six point one over kuter Matova. Uh you have Sabalenka sixty seven percent over Van Utvenk and then You have Alexandrova 77.2% over McNally, but obviously that's due to the significant more matches Tennis Abstract has on their resume for Alexandrova than it does for this version of Katie McNally. With that said, that's your action on the women's side. Let's flip gears now. Talk about the action happening on the men's side in the Netherlands. And again, given the rain we saw on Wednesday, we saw just about every top seed kick off their campaigns on Thursday. you look at the most notable result of the day certainly it was Daniil Medvedev who was down set point I believe down 5-2 if if not set point was down 5-2 in that opening set to qualifier Jill Simone who of course had had his number prior to uh, their match here today you look overall in their career head to heads and it's always fascinating when you look at the next gen's most head to heads like is it surprising to you to learn that the player Daniil Medvedev has played the most in his career and I'll let you all think about it for a second of course the typical five seconds in the car who do you think Daniil Medvedev has played the most in his career it's Alex Vera they've played 12 matches six and six career head-to-head after that Djokovic with 10 it's the only players he's played double digit times he's played Tsitsipas nine times seven and two against Tsitsipas four and six against Djokovic by the way ain't too shabby either he was 0-3 against Jill Simone heading into today's matchup now again down big early in the first set uh, Medvedev went into grind mode, and it's always so impressive to watch Daniel Medvedev impose himself physically on the grass courts. Obviously, we all came to know Daniel Medvedev for the first time, notably when he upset uh, Stan Wawrinka back at, what, the 2017? I want to say, Wimbledon, that result was indeed the 2017 Wimbledon. Shout out to the brain, as always. But Medvedev, 36-16 and 16 in his career on grass courts, obviously made a run to the round of 16 last year before getting knocked out in five by Hubi Hercats. I mean, for Medvedev today, when 78% of his first serve points fights off five of the six break points that he faces, not only does he have that weapon at his disposal to bail himself out of, you know, trouble situations, but he moves so well on these courts, he's so Exceptional at changing direction with his backhand and taking that on-the-rise backhand down the line at the very last moment. It's disguised so well. It stays so low on opponents so that they pop up that next ball, and then you just have no idea where he's ever going to go with that forehand. And again, with all due respect to Simone, how did Medvedev work his way back into the match? By making it a grind. Simone just did not have the weapons to hurt him with. Medvedev was able to move his forehand around the court, able to find angle on that cross-court forehand that just... Again, with his extreme grip, with his hysterical is the wrong word, with his extraordinary take back, the many moving parts that there are, that he's able to generate that angle on this surface. It remains just a mystery to gravity. But obviously, we're not going to see Daniil Medvedev, unfortunately, at the 2022 Wimbledon, but we will see him try to accumulate points, solidify his spot as the world number one between now and then Daniil Medvedev into the quarterfinals. Straight set victory over Jill Simone. Top two seeds both Tough opening first round matches for the number two seed Felix Ogier, Ali Asim, 7 6 7 6 victory for him over Greek Spore. Felix did not generate a single break point in this match, and that's a credit to Greek Spore who dropped just. Uh, 17 points on serve 17 of the 72 points he played on serve so again he's winning just about what five sevenths of them or whatever you want that number to be he was dominant and you know Felix struggled certainly doing much beyond the plus one shot and finding opportunities to attack Greek Spore on the Greek Spore serve but again Felix able to take the two tiebreakers because his best his plus one tennis in the crunch time was better than Greek Spores when when FAA finds that plus one gear when he's able to assert himself with his forehand and again first strike tennis the name of the game on grass courts this is what Felix can do and that's not a surprise to anyone you look for Felix who of course makes you know the only guy to push Rafa to five sets at Roland Garros and makes a quarterfinal at the Australian Open and semifinals last year US Open quarterfinals last year Wimbledon as well we know what Felix is capable of when he plays his best tennis the key now is just just seems to find that best tennis more consistently. And yeah, there was a tough stretch. Certainly, you know, Indian Wells, Miami, Marrakesh, Monte Carlo, where he goes one in four in five consecutive matches. That was a tough little blip for him. Tough month stretch uh, to end that first third of the season. But he's found his footing. He's regained his form. And again, going into Wimbledon, given who's not going to be at the 2022 Wimbledon, no Medvedev, no Rublev. FAA is going to make a very strong case to be on the top five list of contenders, and we can get into that argument in a month, but I mean, certainly for Felix, six and six start, did not play his best tennis, but his plus one tennis was good enough to get through the always tricky Greek spore. Good victory for the Canadian, who's now going to take on a Karen Hachanov, who survived against Camille Mychek. Hachanov, 7-6 uh, in the third victory, down four love was Hachanov in that third set, and Look, I mean, I just like the physicality of him on this surface. I think three out of five always brings out his best. You look for Hachanov now in his career at the tour level on grass courts. He's been pretty darn good Uh, overall. You look for him 21 and 10 in his career on the grass courts. Has made at least the third round of Wimbledon in every season since 2017. Of course, made quarterfinals in 2021. Made fourth round back in 2018. His losses at Wimbledon nadal djokovic roberto bautista good and last year shapovalov in five sets after of course he came back to beat corda in five sets the round before i mean look this is his best surface with his serve with his plus one forehand his ability to again just the his the strength of his first step which is so important and his strength out of the corners to and the ability to generate depth out of those corners so important with the movement being as difficult as it is on this surface his backhand stays low he can move the ball well with his forehand around the court he's comfortable moving forward even if he isn't the best volleyer but you know he's in that the same way with a Brandon Nakashima. They now know where to go, know what to do with the volley, even if they don't always execute it perfectly. Hachanov is a guy to keep an eye on. And again, if he's able to bounce back physically, that is a fun plus one match between he and Felix tomorrow in the quarterfinals. But again, that's one to keep an eye on as Hachanov advances 7-6 in the third, of course. That was your calm, on the bottom half of the draw, you also had a couple of upsets on the day. And let's start with wildcard Tim Van Richvin And I know I butchered that pronunciation. I apologize. That's due to the hour this podcast is being recorded. But look, the big serving man, wildcard in his home country. 6-6 six and six win over at Matthew Ebden, six seven seven five six four 6-4 victory over Taylor Fritz. I mean, the guy was just hitting bombs from every portion of the court big backswing on that one-handed backhand. You can feel him loading, but man, is the ball he generates off that backhand wing heavy. And Look, I mean, this was first strike plus one tennis between he and Taylor Fritz. Fritz plays one sloppy point on the deuce point, a long physical point where, you know, again, ultimately goes the way of Van Richeven, and then, you know, Van Richavin connects on a return of serve that just lands outside of the reach of Taylor Fritz, hits the corner of the baseline and the doubles alley singles. Sideline, and that's the break of serve in the third set. This was very much plus one grass court tennis, and it wasn't the cleanest performance from Taylor Fritz. You look at the stats for Fritz in this match: made 65% of his first serves, and you know again 177% of his first serve points, 61% of his second serve points. But I, I don't think that does justice to just again he got away with some things because Van been very much first strike centric. But look, Van Rijthoven won 85% of his first serve points, fought off five. Of of the six break points that he faced and you look for him now over these last 52 weeks I mean the man has had success 37 and 25 overall you look for him in terms of quarterfinals made six different challenger quarterfinals over this stretch of time now hadn't won a challenger final but made two different challenger final a uh, title excuse me but made two different challenger finals over his last 52 weeks of play you look for him now in terms of ATP level success you know this is the First ATP quarterfinal of his career, and it comes on a surface where it's not surprising to see the big swinging, big hitting, aggressive, and and have some success. I mean, obviously, first win for him over a top 20 player in his career into his first ATP quarterfinal as well. Certainly uh, has a winnable match. Next up as he's going to take on the always tricky Hugo Gaston, the lefty, using his ba- uh, you know bag of tricks to knock off Jensen Brooksby in three sets. And look, that was a fun match. I would have liked to. To see that match, three out of five sets. I absolutely think the physicality of Brooksby could have worn out. He was starting to understand and you know, better acclimate himself. I apologize for the dramatic pause there, but better acclimate himself uh, to the slice and you know how uncomfortable. The positions on the court are that Hugo Gaston puts you in. But credit to Gaston, who did not allow Jensen Brooksby to machine his way through the match. 7-5 in the third victory for Gaston. Again, one of those players going to be into an ATP semifinal. You look for uh, Van Ritchevin now, who uh, currently up to a new career high of number 164, is the 25-year-old. You look for Gaston. He's currently at number 66 in the live rankings, which one more victory gets up to a new career high live ranking of number 62, Career highs on the line tomorrow in the Netherlands. Of course, top half of the draw has opened up a bit for Daniil Medvedev as number four seed Alex Diemenauer knocked out two and three by the always exceptional on grass courts, Adrian Manorino. And just worth repeating here because I'm sure you're going to hear this stat at multiple times over the next month. You look for Manorino in his career on the grass courts, 55 and 38 overall. Of course, we all remember him uh, last year pushing Roger Federer before ultimately getting knocked out in that first round, but of course Manorino has made the round of 16 at Wimbledon multiple times in his career, Uh, has also won a title in the Netherlands on the grass courts before, so certainly a guy you keep your eye on during this portion of the calendar season. He's going to take on Nakashima. Nakashima actually favored, according to Tennis Abstract. That's a mistake, just given their grass court pedigree, but credit to Nakashima, who follows up his impressive first round win over Tommy Paul with a 6-6. Victory over Sam Query. He's hit his spots well. He's extraordinarily efficient, backhand, backswing, so condensed, does a great job generating depth and getting the point back to neutral whenever he gets a clean look at the return of serve, you know, again, but is hitting his spots better, is moving more forward more comfortably, just gives himself margins on the approach shots, not going to blow you away with his power, but is going to hit the right spot, going to change direction appropriately. Again, very well-rounded game for Brandon. He advances into a quarterfinal, and you look for Nakashima, by the way, let's actually see, I'm curious for... Brandon in his career obviously made the two finals last season Los Campos and Atlanta but you look for him overall in terms of his career at the ATP level this is going to be his seventh quarterfinal of his career first not on a hard court those sorts of things matter and you look for Brandon now with his victory up to a new career high live ranking number 52 on the precipice of that top 50 of the ATP rankings I mean again he's now in the mix potentially for a seed at the U.S. Open. Boy, isn't that exciting. And then, by the way, shout out to Ilya Ivashka, Uh, 4-2 victory over Emil Rusavori You look at tomorrow's quarterfinal matchups, nothing above a 65% favorite. Medvedev, 64.9% against Ilya Vashka. You've got Felix at a 61% over Hachanov. Gaston, the 59% favorite over Van Ritchevin. And then Nakashima, 51.7% favorite over Manorino competition promises to continue tomorrow in the netherlands and again shout out to the dual host site always love to see men's and women's tennis played at the same facility it just again you're providing the best of all worlds to fans certainly that is something we will keep our eye on over the course of the weekend another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With that in mind, Slip Gears, talk about the WTA event that unfolded in Nottingham. You look uh, in terms of yesterday's action Probably the most significant result of the day was Maria Sakari. Again, no seeds upset in Nottingham yesterday, but Sakari was down a, a quick 6 1 first set to Canadian Rebecca Marino, and it was a testament to two things. A, Marino lights out in set number one. She makes 61% of her first serve. She wins. 16 of the 18 points she played on serve you know Sakari was lucky to get her return of serve past the service line and just again with how flat that forehand for Marino is how well she changes direction with it how comfortable she was moving forward didn't help that Sakari only made 50% of her first serves in that first set but that was the credit to Sakari who you know for the match again struggled with her first serve only made 52.5% but you know Marino's first serve fell off a cliff she made 8 of 23 first serves in the second set. 14 of 28 first serves in the second set. And that's where you have to give credit to Sakari, who again was able to find no ways to be the aggressor, to dictate the terms of play in set number one. She did a much better job of doing that in set number two. And she remained patient throughout the course of the match. Didn't press things, you know, didn't force herself into early unforced errors in the rally. Was able to extend Morito into the outer thirds and open up easy and obvious space and opportunities for her to attack throughout the course of the match. I think that's what I liked most from Sakari's performance today. Again, it was far from her best tennis, only makes 58% of her first serves for the match, only wins 40, you know, 6% of her second serve points and, you know, perhaps most pressingly that Marino only made 50% of her first serves and Sakari only earned three breaks of serve. Yeah, it's a grass court, but still you would expect that number to be a bit higher given the Marino service performance. What I like is that Sakari didn't hit the panic button, that she remained calm, that she relied on her physicality, that she again went slowly about opening up attacking opportunities, didn't force her way forward, didn't press beyond her means. I was impressed with Sakari's performance today. And again, you look at the draw that's opened up for her. Beatrice Haddad Maya uh, certainly was impressive today in advancing Haddad Maya. Uh, a straight set victory over Miyazaki and you know straight set for Ali Risk, four and five over Garcia. Alia Tomjanovic, three and four over Katie Bolter. You know, again, number two seed Amor out in the first round of the tournament. Number three seed Camilla Georgie knocked out in three sets today by Harriet Dart. You know, those were the two big biggest names in this draw outside of soccer. And you look for her now. You know, it's funny. Ali Risk is actually the favorite to win the tournament, according to Tennis Abstract. And obviously Risk has had some success on the grass courts in her career, has been in a second week at Wimbledon. But, you know, that's borderline disrespectful, it feels. To Maria Sakari, who you look overall in her career now, she's not much higher over that twenty match threshold I talked about earlier on grass courts, eighteen and twelve overall in her career, and you know, was knocked out second round Wimbledon last year by Shelby Rogers, third round the year prior by Alina Svitolina, third round the year prior by Joe Conta. But she's been pretty solid on the grass courts. 18 and 12 can hang, right? That's not atrocious. And, you know, that's – I think it deserves more respect than it's receiving. Let's compare it to Ally Risk here. And I apologize. You're going to hear me pull these stats up live here. Isn't that the fun of these mini break podcasts? But you look for Ally Risk in her career. OK. I stand corrected. Allie Risk, 81 and 35 overall in her career on grass courts. 58 and 31 in tour-level matches By the way, Ali Risk, always a dark horse, come Wimbledon point of season. I said at the start of the week that Risk was the one player who I think rose to the level of, okay, if Risk beats Sakari in the final, I think that's the one acceptable loss in the tournament. But that's the one acceptable loss in this tournament. Of course, some fun matchups. Tomorrow, Sakari going to take on the lefty, Haddad Maya, Zhang Shui taking on Martin Sova. Martin Sova, the favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. Ali Risk taking on Harriet Dart, who again... Executed her first strike to a T against a Camilla Georgie, who always a little erratic, but I thought played pretty well yesterday. And then Tomyanovich, 53.5% favored against last year's Wimbledon quarterfinalist, Victoria Golubic. That is a fun match because of course you look last season for Alia Tomyanovich. She, of course, made a massive run at Wimbledon all the way to the quarterfinals as well. Neither player gonna get to keep those points on the resume as such. All of these grass court matches extraordinary valuable. Again, you look at this draw now remaining here in Nottingham on the women's side, I would say overall, I mean, what, five of your top eight seeds still remaining. Gullabek, a Wimbledon quarterfinalist Martin Sova, always dangerous on the grass, and then a hometown favorite in Harriet Dart. Plenty to like in that draw, of course. Quickly on the 125k happening in Valencia this week. Big win uh, in my opinion from Jung Chin Wen down a set. Gets a 4-6-6-3-6-4 victory to advance to the quarterfinals against Arena Barra. You look for Jung Chin Wen now up to uh, number 55 in the live rankings. One More victory gets her up to a new career high. Number 53 in the live rankings, a title this week. She's into the top 50 for the first time in her career. Just something to keep an eye on as you look at that draw. Certainly, uh, Nuria Parisa's Diaz, your number one seed, still alive, looking good. Number four seed, Aranxarouz, still alive, looking good as well. Just an interesting, you know, again, 125K. Keep your eye on that amongst the ITF challenger. Tour level events, all unfolding simultaneously this week. Of course, last but certainly not least on the men's side. Let's break down the ATP action we saw unfold in Stuttgart. And again, just about every top seed beginning their tournament, given the rain, of course, on the upset side. Tough, tough to call any of these, you know, again, truly upsets. I put the upsets here in quotation marks because Marton Fucevic is just a Hubi Hercot's killer. Fucicic now 3 and 0 in his career against Hercott now all the matches have gone three sets they've actually all been very high level tennis and today Fucevic 7 5 6 7 6 3 over Hercott to advance i mean you look overall in this match who be wins 81% of his first serve points, Fuchevich 86% of his first serve points, Hercots made 59% of his first serves, Fuchevich made 58. The stat that I actually think gives the match away, Fuchevich 10 aces to 6 double faults, Hercots 5 aces to 4 double faults. Hercots rolled in his second serve more frequently than Vucevic did. Vucevic just went big on just about every point and it paid off for him down the home stretch of the third set. Again, this was a match with thin margins, and I know I mentioned this before uh, on yesterday, sh- or two days ago show, excuse me, but you look for Marton Fuchovic in his career. Again, ATP-level grass court matches. Marton Fuchovic, who of course was a quarterfinal at Wimbledon list last season, 11-12 and 12 actually, in his career on grass courts, but of course a quarterfinalist at Wimbledon last season where he knocked off Rublev, knocked off Sinner, knocked off Schwartzman, now into a second Uh, third career quarterfinals, second career quarterfinal for him in Stuttgart. Uh, Obviously, you look for Fuchovic now with this victory. He gets to hang around that top 50. And again, with those quarterfinal points coming off of his resume, important for him to rack up as many points as he can. Fuchovic right now 57th in the rankings. Um, So certainly big result for him. Obviously, another big result for a guy in Oscar Ota, who we all saw last year felt like, you know, again, if you play that match, he played, again, Andy Murray how many times uh, does he ultimately win that match what let's say I don't know 7 out of 10 uh, but of course wasn't able to do it in the second round still you look for Ota 52 and 25 for him over his last 52 weeks of play that of course includes 3 challenger titles and now quarterfinals for him in Belgrade in Munich and now in Stuttgart as well he's doing it you know again the majority of his challenger success came on hard courts he's now had ATP level success on the clay on the grass the big server when he's landing that first serve I mean simply put you're in trouble he's a more fluid Max Cross Cressy. I actually think that's the better comparison for Oscar Ota. And yeah, Cressy has a little bit more flash on the serve, obviously a little bit more rigorous in his serving and volleying, but Ota has better feel. Ota came up with a down the line on the run back uh, forehand pass today in the breaker second set that earned him the early mini break against Shapovalov that Cressy's just not going to be making ever there's a lot to like about Oscar Ota's game who of course 28 years old currently right now Ota sitting uh, in the live rankings at number 54 which is one off his career high of 53 of course one more victory should get him into the top 50 for the first time in his career which again 28 years old you're going to make some serious money over the next year if you keep yourself sustained in that position and obviously he's put himself in a position to do that with his success across levels and I mean you look at this matchup against Shapovalov I mean it, it was first serve tennis to a T. I I think there were what one there's one break of two breaks of serve in the match one for each guy Shapovalov broken early in the first set he's able to get that break back uh, to force the breaker but very much first strike not the prettiest tennis i mean certainly there were moments of athleticism a lot of fun craft at the net but very much first strike grass court tennis ota just the better of the two players today 6 and 6 and look shapovalov's only earned back to back wins in tournaments once this season that's the you know he's only won his first round match in consecutive tournaments once the inconsistency continues to plague Denis Shapovalov. At the same time, I don't think he played poorly today. This was just grass court tennis in a nutshell. Uh, ultimately, Ota able to advance. Your other seeds knocked off on the day. Again, I wouldn't call them upsets. Nick Kyrgios, 6'7", 6'4", 6'3", victory over number five seed, Nicolas Basilishvili. You look for Kyrgios. He was not broken on the day. Yeah, he lost that first set breaker, but he looks fit, serving well into a quarterfinal. Obviously, again, you look for Nick Kyrgios right now in the live rankings. He's currently number 68. If he's in the Wimbledon draw, he's a threat to do damage in the Wimbledon draw wherever he falls. And again, the earlier in the tournament he plays a top seed, you feel like the more dangerous it is because he'll still have his legs under him. Yeah. Yeah. Good performance for Kyrgios here to gain his confidence. Gets match play under his belt heading into a Wimbledon where obviously he can make some noise. A good victory for Andy Murray as well. 3-6 and six over Sasha Bublik. Bublik you know, served for the second set up 5-3. Murray breaks him at love. And certainly it was a loose game from Bublik, but Murray just did a good job making him play plus-one shots and forcing him to actually win the point, not giving him anything for free. And then Murray faces that point, down 4-5, able to come up with a big plus-one for him. big first serve down the tee and you know again grind his way through the point I also think you look for Murray in this match just executed well on the first serve picks his spots well it's moving so much better on these grass courts than he was a season ago obviously Andy Murray's pedigree on grass courts need not be explained he's a two-time Wimbledon champion he's I don't want to say looking the part definitively, but he just looks comfortable on the grass courts and, as always, will be a miserable out for anyone who's forced to face him at his home event, of course. In terms of the non, you know, the seeds not upset on the day, shout out to Stefano Tsitsipas, who did a much better job, and Stricker had early break point chances to all in the first set. After that, it was all Tsitsipas the rest of the way, was just able to assert himself, was able to find enough backhand returns deep enough in the court to pressure the young lefty qualifier, Tom Stricker, Pass 3-4 and four victory, did a great job finding his forehand, was very disciplined with his footwork, and has clearly been locking in on that backhand return. So he ultimately advances and, again, sets up a fun set of quarterfinals. I told you, top half of the draw, no matter how it unfolded, and only one seed advances, but I think we'll all sign up for Pass murray Fucevic Kyrgios, that's a fun match. Bonzi Ota. You never know what you're gonna get. And then the battle of the Italians, Sinego versus Matteo Berrettini. And uh, yeah, that that that's fun. That's good. Tennis across the board on the men's side in Stuttgart. So, obviously, going to be another fun championship weekend on the ATP and WTA Tour. And I didn't even get into the challenger action we have unfolding in Orlando and across the globe. The countless ITF events happening, of course, in East Lansing. It's what three Kentucky Wildcats Draxel, Lapadat, uh, Diallo, all still alive. Jacob Bickerstaff, still alive. Noah Rubin playing the 25K in East Lansing. Of course, in SoCal, you've got Boytan. You've got got Brimer, you've got uh, Leonard Chen, the young junior, you've got Sabina Zanilova, Jessica Fela, so many fun players competing across the globe. And of course, so fun here at Crack Rackets for us to cover all the action. As I alluded to at the top of the show, we'll be back later today to offer an update on everything that happens on Friday across the globe on the ATP and WTA tours. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at AL Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Danny westoff for the <coughs> of an editing job, he does day in day out making all this content possible shout out as well as to our friends at tennis point tennis point.com the promo code is cr15 with all that said for our super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point and from all of us here at both Crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone